Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Dan Harris, joined by Mike Tagliere. You can find us on Twitter at DanHarris80 and at MikeTagliereNFL. I've had a long day, boys and girls. Due to a bit of an unexpected development, I've had to run around a bit today, and although I've kept up with everything, I have not been able to sit and diligently watch every game as closely as I would have liked. To be honest with you, I actually just got home a few minutes ago. Not to worry, I asked my kids if I missed anything, and they told me that a lot of big guys tackled a lot of little guys, so (laughs) I feel not only caught up but also proud that they obviously understand football. Anyway, luckily, my partner in crime has been locked in all day long. So, Tags, can you just confirm for me, did a bunch of big guys tackle a bunch of little guys today or what? I can confirm that that did happen quite quite often. There were a lot of there were a lot of tight ends that tried to hurdle defenders and some of them it did not work out to their advantage. It looked like a pretty crazy day and we are going to talk about it all, but I don't want to waste any time. I'm ready to go. I've been sort of running around. I just want to get into it. Give me your biggest winner on the day. Biggest winner on the day, Jameis Winston, uh, 385 yards and four touchdowns against the Los Angeles Rams is quite ridiculous, uh, considering uh, Aqib Tlaib in the lineup. I've been pointing this out through the primer for you know the last few weeks, uh, saying that with Aqib Tlaib in the lineup, the Rams allow, uh, it's it's an 11-game sample size. They've allowed less than one touchdown per game, around 210 passing yards per game. Like, there was nothing, there was not much to like about Jameis Winston in this matchup, but to go in there, you know, the Bucks defense obviously showed up. We're going to talk about them. But uh, Jameis Winston showed up in a big way, 385 yards, four touchdowns. That's that's massive against that defense, even if, you know, Jared Goff continually put them in a bad scenario all day long. So let me ask you something. What do you do with a guy like Winston right now? I mean, we both have had him as a borderline starter and stuff like that. Is he going to move into the tier where you just start him and you set it and forget it? Or is he still somebody who you kind of have on the borderline fills in? And because again, like you said, this was not a matchup that we expected him to go nuts on. Is he good enough where you can just put him in your lineup and just say, you know, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but I'm willing to roll with this guy rest of season without fiddling around. I think more often than not, he's going to be a starter. I mean, would you consider him in the, in the tier with guys like Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott? No, I wouldn't put him there yet, but it's clear that, you know, working in the offense and getting to know Bruce Arians offense, it was going to take a little bit of time and they're getting into a groove here. Knowing that Chris Godwin has kind of come into his own, we haven't even seen a breakout for OJ Howard and and Winston's putting up these numbers. So I would have to imagine it's only going to get better. I mean, there are going to be some bumps with Winston. That's going to happen. He's not a great NFL quarterback. He has shown signs before, but understand that there are going to be some ups and downs you kind of have to play the matchups as they are Uh, but this one as you said this was not one where we expected him to do well I had him ranked outside my top 15 quarterbacks this week so I definitely was low on him that's going to hurt me uh, in the accuracy standings but um, yeah Jameis Winston I have him as my number 11 quarterback rest of season so I I do like him it's just a matter of uh, I don't feel like he's a must play every single week just yet Now, to be fair, this week, I mean, Godwin was limited and he was questionable. He was kind of a a game day decision. And he, of course, was not, in fact, limited by the hip whatsoever. It did not appear 14 targets, 12 catches, 172 yards and two touchdowns. So that might have changed the outlook on Winston just a little bit. But I'm inclined to agree with you. I don't I don't view him as a must start option or anything like that. But I have always felt that a guy like Winston and the offense that they're in, there are going to be plenty of good days. And, you know, no risk it, no biscuit. That's what, you know, they say with Bruce Arians there are going to be days where you're going to smack your head and say, I'm done. But a lot of fantasy owners have been so frustrated by him in the early going. I do think the fact if you own him, you're fine to roll with him. People are always saying, Bub, is sending me trade offers, you know, fantasy owners. And they're sort of like, you know, what do you think? Should I should I add, you know, Lamar Jackson in, in this sort of deal? My backup is Jameis. And to that, I always say, 
I'd love to add Lamar Jackson. I think he's great. I think he's a top three, maybe top four, probably top three quarterback rest of season. But if you have a guy like Jameis on your team, that's really not the situation where I'm looking to massively upgrade. And I think that this game is kind of the exact reason why. Let's move on to your biggest loser tags. Who was it? I'm going to go in the same game. I'm going to say it's Jared Goff. It, it was um, extremely disappointing uh, performance out of him, and he's part of the reason that the Bucks had so much success today. And part of, I, I honestly believe it's part of the reasons that the Rams' defense sucked so bad it is because Jared Goff continually put him in a bad situation. Uh, fun fact I came up with before the show, he threw the ball 68 times today. 60 friggin' eight times. Like, that is the most attempts in one game since 2000. It's the third highest mark since the post-merger era. And... He threw two touchdowns on 68 pass attempts versus a Bucks secondary that cannot hang with the wide receiver core of uh, the that the Rams have. And this is a this is a problem with Jared Goff. And the reason I'm saying that he's the biggest loser is because I, I think people are are starting to finally realize how bad he's been. And it's a, it's not a small sample size either. The first 26 games under Sean McVay, Jared Goff, 282 yards per game, 8.6 yards per attempt, 2.1 touchdowns half of an interception per game over the last 12 games playoffs included he has 6.77 yards per attempt 258 yards per game which includes by the way his 500 yard performance this week 1.08 touchdowns 1.17 interceptions and i I was like you know where can we find that what does this coincide with like where the hell did things go wrong and it was right after the bye week for the rams in week 11 last year so i went to like search for things that kind of went awry around that time like what could be the the factor that could lead to jared goff just sucking all of a sudden it's around the time where todd Gurley stopped like had them knee problems now out of their bye he had a two touchdown game against detroit but after that it's when he went downhill and i want to say he has he's had like one game over 70 rushing yards since then so ever since todd Gurley has not been the same player jared goff has not been the same player and we continually see that this year and now he's going to be going to play on thursday night against the seahawks in seattle I just I don't see that as a place where he's just going to go and magically snap out of it. I mean, I get that they fell behind early, but they had 11 rush attempts today. 11. One by Cooper Cup, by the way, just to be clear. This is not something. So they just completely abandoned. Now, I mean, just to be clear, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, the fact that you're getting 517 yards and two touchdowns from the guy, three interceptions, of course, but you're not disappointed from a fantasy perspective. But let me ask, because I, I too, have been sort of slowly moving him down my rest of season rankings. Coming in, you had him at 12th. Is that still around where? Because he did put up fantasy numbers here. Are you moving him now beyond the QB1 range? I moved him down to 14. I'm officially concerned. I'm concerned this offense, I just don't know if it's as good as it used to be. If, if Goff can't get it done, if, and if Todd Gurley is not the same player that he used to be, this may not be a top three scoring offense in the NFL. And that's ultimately the reason you wanted Jared Goff on your team. Uh, I might be more inclined to take someone like Philip Rivers moving forward. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I I think that that is not necessarily unfair. Um, I I think that Goff, to me, is kind of now in the position. And you're right. I've been thinking about when it happened, and it was really when Gurley went downhill. And he's not looking any better. He does score the two touchdowns, but only five for 16 on the ground. And he catches, you know, 54 yards receiving. That's just he's not the same whatsoever, putting aside the fact that we were all worried because he wasn't getting the goal line work necessarily and Malcolm Brown was going to come in there. This is not the same back right now at all. And you mentioned it even from the first game where he looked like he was avoiding contact, you know, running out of bounds. So without him, it does look like it's affecting Goff. And in the end, he's just kind of in this, you know, conglomerate of sort of streamable options at this point where you can play in the right matchup, but you can see that things can go south pretty quickly. Now, tagged, 
uh, last week I really liked the what's your problem man segment um but mainly because I say that phrase to you I mean like four times a week anyway just when we're talking <laughs> but look as I said we are running a little bit behind today so we're just going to jump right into it here with the game recaps if that's okay with you tags oh it's it's absolutely okay I don't like being asked what my problem is well you're going to get asked it next week so get ready and probably after this when we have our usual talk all right eagle let's start with the Thursday night game Eagles 34 Packers 27 there's actually a lot to unpack here so let's do what we can to keep it quick let's start here with the Eagles Miles Sanders runs really well actually 11 for 72 on the ground but this is all about Jordan Howard 15 for 87 on the ground with two touchdowns plus three catches for 28 yards through the air and another touchdown you talked this week on the podcast about how Howard always plays well against Green Bay but how does this game in particular affect your outlook on the Philadelphia running back situation going forward I'm selling Jordan Howard. Uh, if you're able to find someone in your league that's going to buy the, after this performance, and it's very possible because what happens on primetime television influences so many fantasy players. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, actually, because uh, when someone actually sees it, they believe it rather than looking at a box score and be like, oh, it could have been just one game. But people saw Jordan Howard scoring three touchdowns on primetime TV, so they'll probably be willing to buy him. Uh, whereas Miles Sanders, Sanders is a better three down back than Jordan Howard. Okay. After he had, you know, two fumbles the week before, that was obviously a problem. So, you know, knowing that they have him out there on special teams at points, returning some kicks, like there's some problems with that. So Jordan Howard is not going to suddenly just go away, but he's a guy that's averaged 23 snaps through four weeks. That is not going to sustain any fantasy production. The good news for both these guys is that Darren Sproles is essentially a non-factor. He's not playing snaps. He's not receiving touches, uh, which is really weird because I thought he'd contribute quite a bit with the issues they've had at wide receiver, but he's not. So it is down to those two. And Miles Sanders, he's the guy they spent the second round pick on. He's the, he's the one who's going to be worth getting in this backfield. So if you could find someone to, to, buy, to buy high on Jordan Howard, I suggest doing it. Do you expect at some point that Miles Sanders is going to be a guy who you can start as perhaps an RB2 by the end of the season? I don't know if we're going to get there, honestly, because um, Jordan Howard's not bad enough to the point where it's like LeGarrette Blunt bad, where it's like, oh, my God, this guy's averaging 2.5 yards per carry. It's it's all bad. It's it's not all bad. Jordan Howard is a guy that can run downhill. He'll get what's he'll get what's blocked, essentially. Uh, but he is very one dimensional. So. I mean, they had Jordan Howard on the roster when they drafted Miles Sanders. They didn't, they don't, they understand what Jordan Howard is. I believe that. But at the same time, Doug Peterson, if it's a two man backfield, I think that's best case scenario because, I mean, we, we've gone through a three man and it's like, oh, that's terrible. But uh, going to a two man, there's going to be more value. And Miles Sanders is the guy that has more three down appeal and the guy that they drafted in the second round, the guy that they want to be the future at the position. So, uh, he's the one I would much rather own. So if, if you're able to find someone to buy Jordan Howard and you can get Miles Sanders, maybe you have to throw in a small other piece to get him. I would do it. It makes me sad, man. I love Miles Sanders. I, I think he's got loads of talent. I, again, I, I want to make it clear. I don't think it's crazy. Howard does get what's there for him. Okay. And there is value in that as an NFL team. And you know how Doug Peterson wants to run the team, as you said. So it's fine. I own Sanders. I have a lot of Sanders shares. I think the time is going to come. Maybe not a reliable RB2, but certainly a reliable flex at some point. I just don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Let's look at the other side of the ball here. Most fantasy rankers had him high, but you certainly called the Devontae Adams game. He goes off 10 catches for 180 yards. He does leave with the toe injury. Now, last I heard tags, this sounds relatively minor, like he might miss a week or two. I don't know if you've heard anything else on it. I don't even know if he's going to miss any time, to be honest. They're saying it's a, it's a case of turf toe and... I never like foot injuries to wide receivers. Um, it, it has forced me to move Devontae Adams down a few spots in my rest of the season rankings. Nothing like crazy because I don't think there's many wide receiver ones that you could just rely on week on week in, week out. Uh, but if, if anything, it should remind people that Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling should not be on any waiver wires. 
Yeah, no, they they need to be owned regardless of if they're necessarily somebody that you're going to start right away because they they do have value. They're almost like a a strong running back handcuff in that sense where they can produce independent value, but they also are people who, if anything does happen to Adams and if he needs to miss time, uh, then it is somebody who you're going to want to pick up. And real quick, Jamal Williams, again, he was carted off, but things sound relatively positive here as far as I can tell. I don't know if he's necessarily even been ruled out for the next game. Um, if he is out, how big of an impact does that have on Aaron Jones? It would have obviously an impact. And so many people are saying, oh, see, I told you Matt LaFleur knows best. And Aaron Jones, he had a crap. He didn't have a very efficient game at all. And it's all because he was asked to carry the workload. No, it's because he played the friggin' Philadelphia Eagles, guys. Come on. Like, we're smarter than this. Like, understand, it was always a tough matchup against the Eagles. There's a reason that Carryon Johnson had like, what was it, 20 carries for 44 yards the week before or 20 carries for 35 yards? I can't remember what it was, but it was bad. So, don't, yes, Aaron Jones, if, if for whatever reason Jamal Williams had to miss some time, Aaron Jones is locked in as a top eight fantasy running back. It's kind of like a Nick Chubb situation where you're tying yourself to what could potentially be a high scoring offense. Maybe they've, you know, underperformed to start the year. But Aaron Jones is a guy that's scored, you know, touchdowns in uh, three weeks straight now. And um, he's got the lock on this job in terms of like who's going to get the carries around the goal line. He's the only one on that team that actually has a, a carry inside the five yard line. Jamal Williams, the touchdown he scored on a it was on a reception. So, yeah, Aaron Jones. I mean, as far as I know, if Jamal Williams is out of the lineup, you lock him in your lineups as an RB one. You don't even you don't even care who they're they're playing against. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. I'm sure you and Bobby are going to be talking about you know Jordan Howard and and the other Green Bay Packer wide receivers on your waiver wire show and of course on your waiver wire live stream that you guys host on Tuesdays. Make sure you don't miss that by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com. Slash fantasy pros. Which, by the way, Dan, I don't know if you heard about the bet, but um, I lost a bet to Bobby today. You don't need a face tattoo again, do you? No, <laughs> not th- not that. It's a, I don't know if this is better or worse. Some people view this as a privilege. I, uh, I I don't know. I have to dress up like Gardner Minshew. Um, so I grew up my beard longer than usual. I'm gonna have to trim down most of it, but leave the mustache. I'm gonna have to wear some uh, some uh, a nice get up for the Tuesday live stream. So if you guys haven't watched the live stream yet, I highly suggest that uh, Tuesday I'm going to try and go all out for this whole Gardner Minshew dress up thing to pay off my lost bet. Okay, well, I will certainly be watching, and that is reason alone to subscribe. So uh, that is good to know. I'm very sorry you lost the bet, but I certainly look forward <laughs> to seeing that. Now, before we get into today's uh, games, I do want to talk very quickly about pristine auction now i want to be honest with you guys because i talk to you more than i do most people in my life there is a downside to pristine auction and that downside is the fact that you might get addicted and find yourself on it shopping for memorabilia every single day like i do legitimately i have bought autographed pictures of mike piazza i have bought disney memorabilia i have bought autographed helmets and jerseys i have bought movie posters and the thing is i'm not on pristineauction.com just because they have pretty much everything or because it's free to register and bid or because everything is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources it's because they have hundreds of auctions every day and the prices that you can get are insane i mean yesterday i saw a signed Devontae adams football for 41 dollars and a signed deandre hopkins jersey for $52. It's awesome. Trust me. You might get addicted, but it is worth it. Just go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com and use our registration code FANTASYPROS in the registration field when you sign up. You'll get a free $5 credit. And thanks to our good friends at Pristine Auction, we are running a Julian Edelman signed helmet giveaway this month. Just leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest 
at fantasypros.com to be entered. All right, my friend, why don't we move on now to today's games? Uh, and we will start, let's start with the Browns, 40, Ravens, 25. Nick Chubb goes absolutely crazy, 165 yards running, three touchdowns. Uh, Jarvis Landry, 10 targets, eight receptions, 167 yards. He does leave with a concussion. He's in the protocol right now, so we'll monitor that. But let's talk about somebody who didn't do so great, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. He does see seven targets. Only two receptions, 20 yards. What's going on here? Tags, are, are do we legitimately concerned right now about Odell? I mean, Freddie Kitchens is not 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 bright. I know they got a win here, uh, but that it's not that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Freddie Kitchens and the play calling or anything like that. Uh, Nick Chubb had a phenomenal game, like going into Baltimore and doing that. But it's also worth noting that uh, Brandon Williams was out for this game. He is like he's a plugger up the middle of the field. Like whenever he's not in the field for the Ravens, it's always been an upgrade for the opposing run game. And he was out for this game. It was like a late week thing where I didn't even realize it until uh, this morning that he was like like had a chance of not playing and. Yeah, it just was all of a sudden a report this morning that like, oh, he doesn't really look great in warm-ups and then he's out, right? Yeah, and then Nick Chubb goes nuts and it's just like one of those things where it was just like, it may have been something that was overlooked, but either way, I mean, if you had Chubb, you were starting him, uh, even though it was a tough matchup going into Baltimore, but this comes back to the whole idea that Freddie Kitchens just doesn't know how to call an offense. You need to get the ball to your best players. And I know Mayfield averaged 11.4 yards per uh, attempt today uh, against the Ravens last year. He played pretty well against them. So I think it's just a defense that Freddie Kitchens or the, the Browns in general know how to attack and make Mayfield uh, look pretty comfortable back there today. He was only sacked one time, but it's only a matter of time where Odell Beckham goes bonkers and you know, where this, this offense starts clicking. You have to remember that him and him and Mayfield didn't play in the preseason at all together. This is something that I undervalued. I was like, you know what? He, they're going to be fine. Odell Beckham creates separation. But really, it's come down to they haven't gotten into a rhythm because ba- Baker Mayfield hasn't been able to get the time to find Odell Beckham when he's running routes 20 yards down the field. So, you know, Jarvis Landry getting him the ball today. I haven't been able to see the numbers yet in terms of like how quick Baker got the ball out of his hand because... The, the splits over the first few first three weeks were basically if Baker got it out in under two and a half seconds, he was gold. If he didn't, he was really bad. So this is something I want to go look at once, you know, I'm able to sit down and actually research these games. Uh, but it, it's definitely good to see him be more efficient and only be sacked one time because this offense has been atrocious through the first three weeks. I know they beat the Jets, but that was uh, there was Stop. some. Yeah, it Stop. was. <laughs> Don't. Be careful. I'm still not totally into this offense, by the way. I'm not like, I'm not like, oh my God, you need to sell everything and get all the Browns you can. I am, however, pro Odell Beckham in terms of like, if you can go trade for him right now, if you could trade away someone like Mike Evans for him, I would do it. Yeah. You're still basically roughly top five, top six receiver rest of season, right? Yes. Okay, good. That that's, that's where I am as well. It It's annoying that we've seen this, but certainly I own Odell. You know, I have a couple of shares of him. I'm not looking to deal. Um, or even sell them. And, you know, it, that's not even selling crazy low or anything, but I'm just not interested in doing that. The best is yet to come. Um, and eventually it will click. Uh, it just wasn't quite this game, although the Browns do otherwise. On the other side of the ball, not as pretty. Lamar Jackson does uh, eventually kind of put up, you know, the numbers that he needs to put up, sort of. He's got 247 yards passing, does throw three touchdown passes, two INTs. Mark Ingram kind of met on the ground. But let's talk briefly about Hollywood Brown. This is another game where he disappoints seven targets. The targets are nice to see. Again, you know, he had nine last week, but he didn't. He wasn't able to put it together. Only four catches for 22 yards. I mean, is he dropping out of the wide receiver three territory or what? I don't know if I'm dropping him out of the wide receiver three territory just because of the targets. 
And that's where you had him, right? He was basically a, essentially a borderline wide receiver three coming in. Yep. I think I had him at wide receiver 38, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it was right around that point. So yeah, he was like the borderline, but knowing he's getting, you know, seven plus targets per game is massive. And that's really good for a player that's averaged up. The target is real is usually down the field. The issue is that it's something that we saw last week and we were hoping that it was kind of like a one-off situation, but Lamar Jackson has his, like, again, people are going to be happy with his fantasy performance. They're going to look at the numbers and be like, oh, okay. He was not good. He was he was not good again today. It was not a very accurate day for him, uh, knowing that the Browns were without their top two cornerbacks, Denzel Ward and uh, Greedy Williams were both out of the lineup. It, it should have been a game where they should have been able to throw all over them. Willie Sneed, he caught a 50-yard touchdown. Most of it was done after the catch. Uh, that was in garbage time. So again, this game was not good out of Lamar Jackson. And it's kind of bringing, it's almost looking like Lamar Jackson's the quarterback that most people thought he was going to be, where it's like, they didn't think he was going to be a league winner like he looked like the first two weeks. But over the last two weeks, he's been a very competent fantasy quarterback. There's nothing that you you don't hate him. He's still a top 10 fantasy quarterback, even with bad performances, because he has this floor with his legs. But uh, it appears that his passing is still a hurdle that he has yet to you know cross. Yep. All right. Let's move on to Panthers 16, Texans 10 on the Panther side. Kyle Allen kind of game manages his way he doesn't throw a touchdown he does throw for 232 yards completing 24 of 34 passes but it is the Christian McCaffrey show you don't need me to tell you that Christian McCaffrey is amazing 27 for 93 on the ground with a touchdown plus 10 catches all 10 of his targets for 86 yards through the air are you concerned at all about DJ Moore let's say a five targets here which is better than the two we had last week even though we broke that touchdown three catches 44 yards I mean is his value significantly impacted when Allen is the QB as opposed to Newton I don't want to say that because I think I think everybody was kind of affected today like Greg Olson had a bad game Curtis Samuel didn't have a very good game obviously this does not impact Christian McCaffrey at all. Um, Christian McCaffrey is just a stud. And I, there was one play in particular I was watching that game and uh, McCaffrey made this play that he might be the only running back in the NFL that makes the play. But the guy, the, the announcer had basically said, Oh, there's a little bit of skill, a little bit of luck, a little bit of this. I'm like, no, 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 no. That was a hundred percent McCaffrey. Uh, like it was, it was a ridiculous highlight reel catch that it only netted like maybe like six yards, but it was a ridiculous play that got him a first down. Uh, he's just, he's a man amongst boys right now. Uh, but I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Cam Newton coming back is going to save everybody else in the offense because I don't think he does. You know, his accuracy was a problem. Kyle Allen fumbled the ball three times today. Like, these are real problems, and I don't think that they have their solution at quarterback just yet. And people were doing victory laps about Kyle Allen last week saying he's a better quarterback than Cam Newton. I was saying he might be a better option because if Cam Newton can't run the ball, he's not a great pocket passer. Kyle Allen didn't look too much better today, uh, but at the same time, it was Houston. It was on the road. There, there were some factors here. He was under pressure a little bit more, so... Uh, DJ Moore is like a, he's in the wide receiver three territory. And that's kind of where I had him with cam though, too, because when I say people are wide receiver twos, those are the guys that you almost always put into your lineup and you kind of remove them. If there's a tough matchup with in DJ Moore's case, it's kind of like a situation where you're going to have to deal with some ups and downs because his quarterback play just isn't very good uh, sometimes. And you know, it's not a particularly high scoring offense. So that's why I have him in that like wide receiver three territory. That's fine. I think I still have him more closer to the, in within the wide receiver two range you and I were not far off coming into the week again you already updated your rest of season rankings because you're a maniac um I do it uh tomorrow when I have a chance to look at everything and so he was 23 for me coming in in a half PPR he may drop a spot or two but I, I agree I'm not overly concerned about it but um I would like to see at least in terms of the targets when Allen does throw that they go a little bit more towards Moore's way because I think Newton looked for him first and foremost on the other side of the ball there's just a bunch of 
bad things going on with the t- I mean, Watson sacked six times. He does quasi save his day with a rushing touchdown. I mean, the leading receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, eight targets, five catches, 41 yards. Uh, Kenny Stills gets injured here. And the running backs, I mean, both running backs run fine. Carlos Hyde, 12 for 58 on the ground. Duke Johnson, six for 56 on the ground. But I think Johnson outsnapped Hyde on the day. What, what do you want to take away here from the Texan side of the ball other than it was ugly? Yeah, I'm starting to get concerned, to be honest with you. Like 4.8 yards per attempt against Carolina. Ugh, it's not very good. Um, not very good at all. And Watson, again, I said this after last week's games, I said that he's been holding onto the ball way too damn long and he's doing, he continues to do it. And I don't understand where it's like the coaches don't like get the ball out of his hands, like get the ball into your playmaker's hands. And they're not doing with Will Fuller. It's like, they're not connecting down the field. Kenny Stills came up with a, I think it, I didn't see the the injury in terms of what they called it. I saw the injury as it happened and it looked like a hamstring or some sort of foot injury. I'd expect him to miss some time, but DeAndre Hopkins to know that he like saw eight targets the most like the success that that, that DeAndre Hopkins has throughout his career has become and I should say Deshaun Watson's success as well it comes from like the volume that those two connected on you almost always saw DeAndre getting 12 plus targets in a game knowing that they went up against Carolina here and James Bradbury I know Bradbury's been playing pretty well but to see like Stills get hurt and Fuller get six targets and only catch three of them. He might be playing at less than 100%. Knowing that Kiki QT is not very involved in the offense right now. Duke Johnson is not very involved in the offense right now. Why are we not getting DeAndre Hopkins the ball more? Is it because we have to run Carlos Hyde 12 friggin' times? It's kind of become old. And Deshaun Watson just, he doesn't look comfortable right now. Some people have said that he's injured. I just think that he just... He's holding onto the ball way too long, and it's like he's he's freestyling it way too often. I know he scored a rushing touchdown to salvage his fantasy day today, but and the line the line's not good. Tags. I mean, it, it's it's better probably than it was last year, and they added Tunsil and they drafted, but it's it's still not good. And when you combine that with somebody who holds the ball, it's just it's bad news. Now, to be fair, I mean, look, Carolina is they're tough against the Pats. Bradbury is is very good. Attacking them on the ground is the way that you can move the ball. It was a close game. They maybe didn't want to take chances. I guess I will understand that, but it is disappointing. Now, they do have Atlanta next week, and then they're going to KC. So chances are (laughs) Watson is going to be putting up numbers going forward. But overall, I'm worried, and I'm worried about his health. I mean, even if he's not injured now, he takes a lot of shots. Um, so if you have him, there's not much you can do, you know, you don't want to sell low or anything, but hopefully he gets back to just peppering Hopkins with targets and moving on. Um, because right now things are, are a little worrisome, uh, before we move on to the next game tags, let's very briefly discuss the fact that we are somehow a quarter of the way through the NFL season. I don't even know how that's possible. It takes forever to get here and then it goes so quickly, but thankfully monkeyknifefight.com has something to cheer you up. Just play 20 bucks on their Monday night football contest, and they will give you 10 bucks in monkey knife fight credit, regardless of whether you win or lose. That's right. Play 20 bucks in their week four Monday night NFL contest, and they give you 10 bucks no matter how you do. So that is an offer that you cannot lose. Just play at monkeyknifefight.com with offer code FANTASYPROS. All right, Tags, uh, let's move on here to the next game. Chiefs 34 Lions 30, a game the Lions really should have won. Um, Mahomes gives you basically what is a terrible game for him, but what is an absolutely beauty of a floor. 315 yards passing, 54 yards rushing, no touchdowns. Uh, LaShawn McCoy gets into the end zone once. Darrell Williams finds the end zone twice. Uh, Travis Kelsey has 85 yards. He's your leading receiver. Sammy Watkins tags. I want to briefly talk about that. I'm uh, Tyree Kill. Last I heard, sounds like he might be out for two more weeks or something like that. But 
what's the deal here with Watkins? Since the only game where nobody played him, where he went nuts in week one, he's still seeing targets. He saw six targets, but three catches, 54 yards. How are you How are you viewing right now Sammy Watkins? Oh, man, this one I want to chalk up to just a bad game from Mahomes. Uh, but Sammy Watkins himself, there was one play uh, late in the game where I saw him get up a little gimpy and he was walking off the field like with a limp. And I wonder if that foot injury that he's had, you know, kind of on and off throughout his career was bothering him. But it's frustrating for sure. I mean, three catches for 54 yards against a, a Lions defense that was without Darius Slay. When Darius Slay is out of the lineup, they should have crushed that secondary. Like Justin Coleman played a really good game. And Sammy Watkins actually did have a touchdown that was uh, knocked out right on the goal line. Like uh, Justin Coleman came in, like the ball was in Watkins' hands. And he came in, like popped it right out uh, so that it didn't count as a catch. It was like maybe a half a second away from a touchdown. Uh, but it was it was a great play on his part. But today's game I watched this entire game this is one of the games I like paid so much attention to is that Mahomes like this game looked like a game that you kind of anticipate like you know when you watch a quarterback continually throw the ball off his back foot you know throwing off like throwing while falling off to the side you know uh throwing it sidearm this is the game that you would expect out of a quarterback that does that you know like um he missed a lot of throws his completion percentage was close to 50 percent like there were so many things that could have went terribly wrong for him in this game and it, it wasn't a good game I mean fortunately he still ended up with 315 yards he rushed for 54 yards but this was a bad game from Mahomes like this is like where it's like this is like the the type of performance that I was expecting coming off last year saying that like some of those throws that he was making are going to start going the, the other way. You know, you can't continue to make that because he makes it look easy. Right. And his arm strength is stupid. It was ridiculous. Uh, but uh, this was just a bad game on his part to know that this is his fantasy floor is like, OK, cool. Like he's still the number one fantasy quarterback. He's still going to set records and all that. But it was definitely a bad game from him. So I don't want to take too much away from it. Demarcus Robinson didn't know how to track a ball going deep. Mikol um, Hardman wasn't even involved at all. And they ran the ball on the goal line seemingly every single time. Like every single time they got inside the five yard line, they're just going to run it every single play. It seemed like. And that's why we had three rushing touchdowns. So don't don't overreact from Mahomes. It was definitely a, a weaker game from him. But, you know, there'll be better days ahead. There are a lot of things to like on the other side of the ball. Matthew Stafford plays through the hip injury, 21 for 34 with 291 yards and three touchdowns. Carryon Johnson rushes for 125 yards. He does lose a very costly fumble. Um, and Kenny Galladay finds the end zone twice. As TJ Hawkinson finds the end zone once, he does leave with what I believe is now reportedly a concussion. Um, so, Tags, any takeaways here? on the Detroit side of the ball. Yeah, Hawkinson was like, that was a nasty hit. He got a helmet-to-helmet hit, and then he came down on his head. Like, it was just all bad. Like, and that was him trying to leap over a defender. Like, stop doing that, tight end. Seriously, you're just risking yourself in bad injury. And Hawkinson, like, just watch that video, and you'll stop doing it. But that could have been a bigger game for him. Galladay, fantastic. Stafford thread the needle a few times. I like Stafford a lot this week. I was worried about the hip injury a little bit. Uh, but another player that I, I was telling people to buy low on last week was uh, on Johnson and uh, that workhorse role that he had. You know, once they released C.J. Anderson, I just wanted to see the role that they were going to you know, play him in. And knowing that he had 20 of 25 carries versus the Eagles, even if they were bad in terms of inefficient touches, I wanted on Johnson. And to know, you know, 26 carries, 125 yards involved in the passing game a little bit. He did fumble on the goal line, which was like a really weird play. Uh, but he looked fantastic throughout. Like, Carrion Johnson is a is a borderline RB1. At the very worst, he's a high-end RB2 in fantasy. Completely agree. Last week, I think it was, that he saw the 20 carries, and that was his, his career high. And yeah, this is it. They're committed now to this, and that's when they got rid of Anderson. So I don't think there's a buy-low window anymore, especially after today. But uh, in the end, he is a guy who you can reliably start, definitely. 
uh, going forward as a strong RB2 at the absolute worst. Let's move on to a really ugly game. Patriots 16, Bills 10. Brady is terrible in this game. 18 of 39, 150 yards and an interception. Uh, Sony Michelle, I mean, he 3.7 yards per carry. He does gain 63 yards, but nobody does anything in the air. James White is the only uh, receiver with more than four receptions, eight catches, 57 yards. I mean, is this just, is the Buffalo defense this good tags? Cause I, I feel like I might've been underselling them or do we have problems here with the Patriots now that there's no Antonio Brown? The defensive game plan was phenomenal for the bills. Like they legitimately, no matter what the Patriots did, the bills had an answer and they were ready for James white. There were multiple times where Brady did this thing where, you know, they, he, he snaps the ball. He goes a fake pass to the left, turns around like he's going to hand it off and nobody's there. And then he goes to dump it off in, in a screen game to James white. This is like a three-part move that legitimately James White catches the ball and there's a bill. There's like two Bills defenders right in his face, smacking him in the mouth. Uh, Brady had to throw the ball away multiple times because it's like the pressure was immediate in his face. The run game missing James Devlin. Um, it, it's like you're seeing the effect of it. And Sony Michelle, I don't think I don't I don't think it was necessarily a bad game on his part. He got what was blocked for him. Like he's not creating too much on his own, but the run game as a whole was not very good. But this is. This is part of what to expect when you go into Buffalo. Like Buffalo is just a phenomenal football team in terms of their defense. I, I apologized to Bills fans and for Josh Allen and like writing him off too soon. But man, this is another game I watched quite a bit of. And uh, Josh Allen was terrible. Uh, I know I know some people are going to say that the call towards the end of the game and, the, you know, what happens? What happens if, if Josh Allen's in that game? You know, do they win that game? No. Not the way he was playing, they don't, because he played like crap. Like, he fumbled once, they didn't lose it. Uh, he threw three interceptions, there could have been more. He missed wide-open receivers multiple times. Like, it was a terrible game for Josh Allen, and I would argue that Matt Barkley looked better in his short time that he was in the game, but neither team deserved to win this game, but in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really going to matter. Yeah, it was a really, really ugly game. Allen was terrible. Now, the Patriots defense is legitimate, 100%, but Allen really, he's just so inaccurate, and it's it's my muggling. He does leave, as you mentioned, with a concussion. He's in the protocol right now, so it's not clear about his availability yet. Um, but Barkley does not throw a touchdown pass, but he does complete 9 of 16 for 127 yards. Frank Gore, old man still doing it, 17 for 109 on the ground any takeaways on the buffalo side of the ball assuming that allen is healthy other than allen is not very good from a fantasy perspective what's the takeaway i mean with with uh with bye weeks in full effect i think we've learned that cole beasley is a big part of this offense you know john brown's getting targets but so is cole beasley uh he's been a factor now for uh basically every single game like he's not a guy that you want to rely on for big production but knowing that you can get like it, every game we've seen it we've had we've seen him score at least uh nine ppr points which is just like that's more than you can get out of most players uh so knowing that bye weeks are here we're gonna have two more teams on a bye this week uh if you need someone that's available on most waiver wires cole beasley especially in ppr formats is a guy that you can rely on but we should have devin singletary back next week which is going to further cloud the backfield like frank gore is not going to get all 17 of the running back carries anymore eh, i don't know man like like today was was the offense that i I, I told people that I didn't really really want to associate with. And I mean, I know Frank Gore walked away with 109 yards, but it was a, uh, it was a pretty ugly game. I don't know, man. I mean, Allen is, is a guy who you can fill in, maybe start generally when he's healthy as your QB one rest of season, just kind of leave him in there as a low end guy, but it's not really an offense as much as I love Smokey Brown. Um, you know, there's just, it's not going to be consistent from week to week. And I think that's just something you're going to have to deal with. Singletary will help. They do face, the Titans next week, that's not going to be an easy matchup. But 
we can deal with it then. Raiders 31, Colts 24. Uh, Derek Carr throws for two touchdowns here, only 189 yards, but they they got out uh, up to a lead. Josh Jacobs, I mean, he runs well, 17 for 79, um, and he does catch two passes finally a little bit in the passing game, but not that much. Darren Waller, seven catches, 53 yards. Tyrell Williams finds the end zone. Takeaways here from uh, the Oakland side of the ball. Not many takeaways here. Uh, it was a Colts team that was shorthanded down Darius Leonard, down Malik Hooker. Uh, I did expect the the Raiders to look better, but it's hard to rely on Derek Carr on a consistent basis. He's just been a very inconsistent quarterback throughout his career. Uh, if there's one takeaway that I want people to remember about the Raiders, it's that Darren Waller is a great buy low. And I know some people are like, wait, buy low? Like the dude's been getting targets. He's been getting... Fantasy owners like to see touchdowns. And I think people get worried after not seeing touchdowns for a long period of time. And he still has no touchdowns. Foster Moreau actually got a touchdown today instead of Darren Waller. Uh, but, you know, going forward, you're looking for targets. I want to say Darren Waller, if I'm not mistaken, he's on tar- on pace for like 148 targets uh, this season, which is like almost guaranteed lock for top three tight end production. And you could probably get him for cheaper than that, knowing he hasn't scored a touchdown. So people think that he's like, I don't think people realize that own Darren Waller. A lot of them probably don't realize how consistent he is and how consistent he's going to be regardless of the matchup or whatever as long as he's getting targets you want that in your lineup so he's a good buy low and I know that sounds weird but you can almost say buy high because I don't think that we've even seen a ceiling yet yeah I mean I think it would be a buy high just the sense I get from fantasy owners look you know tight ends a wasteland right I mean there's like five reliable guys I think Waller counts as that so if you're saying necessarily that you think that Waller can even reach sort of the next level because of the lack of touchdowns then yeah go ahead but I do think it's better characterized probably as a buy high but I agree I'm all in on him I, I love him this year I think he's filled in to that Jared Cook role beautifully and I think he's doing extremely well and I think it's only going to get better kind of like you're saying on the other side of the ball I mean Jacoby Brissett down T.Y. Hilton he still manages to find the end zone three times as they were playing in catch-up mode throws for 265 yards Marlon Mack really struggles 11 for 39 I believe he left with an ankle injury tags he was kind of in and out of the game towards the end but yeah I, I don't know how yeah it's it's frustrating to see him not have a good big performance because he had the stage here Right. He did. I figured it would be good. Oakland is dealing with injuries to their linebacker, so it was a really solid matchup, and they needed to lean on him, and he did not come through. Uh, Eric Ebron catches a touchdown, although I believe he had a pretty egregious drop, if I remember correctly, as I was flipping through. Yeah, and Ebron's touchdown was late in the game. It was it was, it was like garbage time, essentially. I, I honestly think he's droppable. Like, you could stream tight ends and be fine. Oh, 100%. I, I don't think Ebron is a guy who you need to hold. I, there's like seven guys, maybe eight, who I think, yeah, these guys I would probably leave on the roster. After that, you're just streaming completely. Jack Doyle also catches a touchdown, by the way. Now, without Hilton, I mean, is there any real takeaway that you want to do here? Or is this something where it's just like, this is just one of those games where they were shorthanded and you move on to the next one? Yeah, it's one of those games. There, there was like little to take away from this because the targets were evenly distributed all over the field. There was no clear snap difference. Like four wide receivers played significant snaps in this game. So it's like, it's one where it's really tough to take anything away from. I am completely in agreement with you on that one. Let's move on then to our next game. Chargers 30, Dolphins 10, Rivers throws two touchdown passes and 310 yards, but it is mostly the Austin Eckler show, 18 for 60 on the ground with a touchdown plus catching all five of his targets for 62 yards and a touchdown. So what happens now, Tags? What happens now that Melvin Gordon, who I believe was active for this game, but only in an emergency role, what happens now with Eckler? Is he still going to be a guy who you think you can start going forward, or was this like his farewell song? I I believe this was his farewell. We're uh, we're still on a weird streak right now, <laughs> where people thought it would end this week that when Justin Jackson was out and yada yada. But um, go, dating back to the start of 2018, there has uh, no Chargers running back, including Eckler, including Melvin Gordon, has has rushed more than 19 times in the game, and uh, 
that's kind of crazy considering you see running backs all the time with 20 carries, 25 carries, uh, workhorse running backs. So they're gonna they're going to have a timeshare back there. We even saw Tremaine Pope uh, get 10 carries today. Uh, you know, pitched in with two receptions. That's the role that Eckler is going back to. I think he's going to see that 10 to 12 touches per game every now and then. You'll see a little bit more, a little bit less depending on the game script. Uh, he's going to be used more in games where they fall behind because he's more in that hurry up offense. Whereas you know Melvin Gordon can be used in all three downs in a, in a regular game script. So. It's almost like the role he had last year, which which does offer RB3 viability more often than not. So it's he's still usable in fantasy football, but not nearly as valuable. Particularly in PPR leagues. But I, I agree. I think that this was something. Now, again, they didn't really have depth behind him without Justin Jackson. But I think this was probably the sense I got is like, look, we are willing to really roll you out there right now because we're not going to be rolling you out there anywhere close. I could see next week it being sort of Eckler having more value because I think to throw Gordon into that role right off the bat where I know he's been quote-unquote training, you know, like crazy going in, but there's nothing like real game speed. So I think you might have one more week of decent production, but after that, I think he is going to go into that flexious sort of spot where he'll be valuable, especially in any league that gives you anything for a reception. But other than that, it's certainly this this was the big one. And, and look, he gave you a good parting gift, so don't be too mad. On the other side of the ball, I mean, Devontae, Parker caught all four of his targets for 70 yards and a touchdown. But as usual, there's really not much to talk about. Was that a question? <laughs> I mean, no, it's not a question. The, the question is more like, do should I usually tags my stock line is, okay, can we agree there's nobody worth talking about here in the Dolphins and move on? But uh, is there anybody that you want to talk about on the Dolphins or should we move on? I do want to give a high five to the Dolphins coaching staff as Kalen Balazs appears to be benched and uh, rightfully so. He dropped uh, what should have been a touchdown in the passing game. Like, he's just not good. Like, guys, move on from Kalen Balaj. Uh, not that any fantasy owners sticking around for that. But, uh, I mean, Parker was wide open on his touchdown. It was a, it was a blown coverage. got behind him. And uh, it was an easy 34-yard touchdown. There's going to be a lot of game scripts like that for the Dolphins. So, I mean, you're going to see targets for him in Preston Williams. It's a very uh, concentrated offense. But I, I would expect Albert Wilson to come back soon. I don't, I don't ever feel great about starting them. But, I mean, part of the reason that you kind of had to like him or Preston Williams today is because Casey Hayward is the only starter left in their secondary. Everybody else is a backup. So we kind of figured that one of them might have a decent day. Meh, I, that's how I feel about it. I don't want to attach myself to Dolphins still. I feel pretty good about the fact that you gave probably the first ever positive like vote of confidence to the Dolphins coaching staff today um, <laughs> for benching Caleb Balaj, by the way, which I mean, fantasy owners did like three weeks ago so you know we, we really we could coach the dolphins and i think everything would be okay um tags before we move on to these last set of games uh, look guys we spend every sunday all football season watching games and i don't know about you but by the time i get up to sneak in some dinner before sunday night football my back is killing me well that was before i got my new couch from burrow and now I don't even get up for dinner, okay? I eat it right on the couch. That's because Burrow has durable fabric that is both scratch and stain resistant. And it's got built-in USB chargers, so my phone never runs out of batteries when I'm checking, like, my 17 fantasy leagues. They're incredibly easy to set up and move, and they are totally customizable. You can pick your fabric color, your leg finish, your armrest style, and your length. They're uber comfortable guys i'm a giant human being so my lower back is constantly bothering me but since we got our new couch from burrow it hasn't bothered me at all so this football season do not settle for the same old couch settle into a comfy new burrow sofa get 75 dollars off a new sofa and free one week shipping just go to burrow.com slash fantasy pros that's b-u-r-r-o-w.com slash fantasy pros for 75 dollars off a new sofa 
All right, Tags, let's move through these last games a little quicker here. We've got the Titans 24 and the Falcons 10. The passing game really gets going here for the Titans. A.J. Brown, only three targets, but he catches them all for 94 yards and two touchdowns. And Corey Davis, six targets, five catches, and a touchdown, 91 yards. Anything you want to say? Is this giving you optimism that the Titans receivers can be someone who you could possibly start in fantasy? No. No. Okay. Uh, Mar- no, I don't. I don't trust Marcus Mariota. I mean, we've gone through these growing pains with Corey Davis. Like we know how this feels, guys. Like Corey Davis. I, I remember last year in a game against the Eagles, Corey Davis went over 100 yards. I think he had two touchdowns in that game, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, this is it. We could trust Corey Davis now." And then the next week, that you know, Marcus Mariota happened, and you know, he, he wasn't good. Three targets is not going to get it done. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Like in like the Falcons, like without Keanu Neal, it appears like he's like the guy that that backbone to their defense. And if he's out, the floodgates have opened. And it seems like the Falcons defense is going to be the same defense they were last year when they suffered when Keanu Neal was out for the year. And just kind of like it, it, all it amounts to is a ton of fantasy points uh, for Matt Ryan and that Falcons offense because they're going to be playing from behind an awful lot. So I don't want to take too much from one game. A.J. Brown is a fantastic wide receiver. I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's a sell high. Yeah. And on the other side of the ball, by the way, I, I just want to echo those statements. Never attach yourself to the Tennessee passing game, at least not while Marcus Mariota is the quarterback. Uh, legitimately, I don't even look at it because to me, it doesn't matter. On the other side of the ball, you mentioned it. I mean, they're playing catch up. So Matt Ryan does end his day, doesn't throw a touchdown pass, but he does throw for almost 400 yards, 397. And look, Austin Hooper does it again, but Julio Jones has a bad day, seven targets, four catches, 52 yards. But Calvin Ridley, again, six targets at least, three catches, 32 yards. I remember you said last week against Indianapolis, I believe it was, that you expected him to have a bad game because it was a zone defense. But Tennessee doesn't play zone, right? They play up on man. So what what's the explanation here? Are we worried now about Ridley? This is a game that I did not get to see a ton of. Um, this is one where I'll have to go back and watch it uh, as I go through and research these games. Um, but it is a little worrisome uh, for sure. I I'm not going to like panic because uh, Tennessee has yet to, I mean, I think you'd have to go back to like week 10 or week 11 of last year to find the last time they allowed a receiver 100 yard game. So it's been like evenly distributed all over the field, but I still, I still anticipated Ridley, you know, potentially to catch a touchdown. I, I, I thought he, this would be like a 60 to 70 to 80 yard game, like in that range with a good shot at a touchdown. Julio, most people had him ranked as number one receiver this week. That's, you know, you're going to miss sometimes. But the biggest surprise here is Austin Hooper. Um, seeing him, 11 targets, nine catches for 130 yards. This is like, he's had three of four, I think it's three of four games now where he has, I mean, I guess you could even argue that his week two performance, four catches for 34 yards, isn't terrible. But I mean, in three of the four games now, he's totaled at least 13 PPR points. And like, this is, he finished as the number six fantasy tight end last year. So he was already kind of trending in the right direction as his career went. So to see him take this kind of next step, it's pretty big. Um, Teams are never going to focus on Austin Hooper when you have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley out there. So step in the right direction for him is like a guy that you could start every week. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is he a guy who you said and forget now? Yep. Okay, that's fair enough. I don't know necessarily. I realize that he has had a couple of good games, especially in a row, but I feel like we've seen this from him before where he'll have a game maybe to not quite to this level and then he'll kind of disappear. So I'm trending in that direction, but still if I have Hooper, I am not sitting there thinking I'm necessarily set at tight end for the rest of the season. Let's move on here to the Giants 24, Redskins 3. Daniel Jones, not quite as impressive as he was against the Bucks, but he does get the job done. 225 yards passing, a touchdown. He does throw two picks, but Wayne Gallman, 18 for 63 on the ground. 
He finds a touchdown, uh, and then he also has a receiving touchdown, seven targets, six catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown tags. You had him 41st rest of season. Now, of course, you've got Saquon Barkley. He's eventually going to come back maybe sooner than expected if you believe him. But how's your outlook on Gallman right now going forward? I, I wrote in the waiver wire uh, thing that we did this week uh, saying that he's a one-week rent-a-player. And if you needed to win this week, he was a guy that you should have spent money on because he was going to have a good game against Washington. I have not moved him up significantly. I put him up at RB40 because uh, Saquon Barkley has shed his walking boot. And that's kind of crazy for a guy that they were saying he could have been like up to an eight-week injury. It just kind of shows that Saquon Barkley is kind of superhuman. But Gallman did look good today, man. Uh, he played a three-down role. Jonathan Hilleman got a carry on the goal line, and he totally fumbled it. So <laughs> bye-bye Jonathan Hilleman uh, is a guy that could steal potential goal line work from Wayne Gallman. So uh, unfortunately, the matchups coming up on their schedule are not good ones. I believe it is Minnesota and New England. So you're not going to see Wayne. They do get Arizona after that, though, I mean, which is a, a wonderful matchup. So to the extent you can hold them through there, that'd be good. But for the next couple of weeks, yeah. I agree with you. I, I, But it was nice to at least see him, you know, kind of do well when he did get the work. I mean, you know, Hillman did get 10 carries, but, you know, you wanted to know, are they going to just kind of make Gallman that RB1? And for the most part, thankfully, Hillman kind of fumbled away his opportunity, but they did. So that's good to see. On the other side of the ball, Case Keenum benched. Uh, Dwayne Haskins come in. I mean, look, no Terry McLaurin in this game. So you could say that. What are you, what are you doing with the Redskins at this point? Any Redskin other than McLaurin, who you're still if it's Haskins going forward, which I assume it's going to be. I don't know. I I don't even know how to take that because I was like, that's a conversation I had with everybody. Everybody throws three interceptions in their first game against one of the worst defenses in the league tag. I mean, cut him some slack. If this was a, if there was a game to like give him a confidence builder, this was it. This was it. it. They did, you know, they did it right. They didn't throw him in against the Bears, right? They did they didn't do that. They did this right right here and he was terrible. So maybe they will view that it's 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 not worth it. They might go to Colt McCoy to be honest with you. Yeah. No, that that's fair. I mean, look, I don't think there's much we can say about this. If they if they do go to him, then I, I mean, I guess to the extent you whatever grade you have, on any of the Redskins skill players, you have to downgrade it. But I, I guess for now, we just kind of wait and see and, and throw it out, especially without McLaurin. Is that fair to do? Yeah, for sure. I mean, oh man, this is this was ugly against the Giants, like a team that has little to no talent on defense uh, for nothing. Like like Paul Richardson, nothing. Like Trey Quinn, nothing. Like you guys were just flat out terrible today. But one thing I do want to say before we move on to the next game is that Sterling Shepard is an every week start with Daniel Jones under center. Yes, 100%. I'm sorry. I, I kind of glossed over that. Um, but yes, I agree. He is as an Ingram always was a starter um, and doesn't have a huge game today. But certainly Shepard, he gets targets. He's getting reception. So he's definitely somebody who you want to be starting. Uh, let's move on to Buccaneers 55, Rams 40. We talked a lot about Jameis Winston. So let's talk briefly about the running game here. Peyton Barber, 9 for 19, but he does score a touchdown. But Ronald Jones, 19 for 70 yards and a touchdown. Is this just what it's going to kind of be like every week where one of them is going to do well and you're going to think it's him and then the other one's going to do well or what? I do think they really want it to be Ronald Jones. And by the way, he looked really good. Like he's a guy that's not running out of bounds. Like he gets towards the sideline, he'll cut it back in. He'll try and gain extra yards. And he did it on a, on a big play that he had uh, today. I can't remember if it was a reception or a run that he, it was. Uh, but I remember he gained an extra five yards because his of a, his willingness not to go out of bounds and it's something that I think every coach would like to see um, so this was a step in the right direction for Ronald Jones now of course it was kind of like a game script that favors him as someone that's not very good in the passing game he only saw one target uh, not that Peyton Barber is a guy that can be trusted in the passing game but 
um, the game script was in his favor. But knowing that Jameis Winston's playing well, it, it forces teams to respect the pass. And, you know, when you have O.J. Howard, you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin. Like, these are guys that force defenses to remain honest. And that's where Ronald Jones needs to do his damage. And he looked like a man today uh, in terms of, like, pushing the pile and getting those extra yards. And that's what I think Bruce Arians would like to see. So he's he's a guy that I've continually said, keep on your roster. But if for whatever reason, they, they you know, they... They push him down in the depth chart. We see him get five carries again. Then you have to let him go. But it's like they keep us hanging on. Isn't there a song? You just keep me hanging on. Yeah. I'm forgetting like the, the melody of an 80s song that Bobby would never know because he's 20, you know, yes. he's 19 <laughs> years old. Yes. It's late. I'm sorry, guys. If I... It's all right. You get feisty when you're late. It's fine. I get it. Yes. I, I would sing it right now, but I'm exhausted. <laughs> so I'm just going to go right past it. Let's go on to the other side. The Rams. We talked about mostly about Jared Goff. Now, the receivers do have huge days here. Uh, Robert Woods, 15 targets, 13 catches, 164 yards. Cooper Cup. I mean, Cooper Cup is, he might be a wide receiver one at this point. 15 targets, nine catches, and a touch on anything you want to say here about the Rams side that we did not already cover. I mean, he's the number two wide receiver in fantasy football right now. And it's not fluky, man. I mean, he's getting, he's getting the targets. He trusts them. And oh God, could you imagine what Goff would look like? If uh, if Cup was injured, I mean, you know, like he was at the end of last season, it really he he's incredible and he's legitimate as far as I could tell. And he's like the safety valve. He's the one place that that, that Jared Goff has had like a lot of success going to. So I, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. He's the guy that usually has the most separation in his routes because he plays in the slot. Uh, so I, I don't I don't see this stopping. And I ranked him as a top 10 wide receiver this week. And I did so somewhat hesitantly just because like, well, Brandon Cooks is there. and Robert Woods is there. and Robert Woods was always going to bounce back. It's just. Uh, I mean, Jared Goff not playing well, knowing that Jared Goff has played like crap and knowing that Cooper Cup is the number two fantasy wide receiver, it kind of says a lot about his floor. He's a wide receiver one, and there's no question about it. I mean, he needs to be valued as such. In my mind, um, there's no reason to think that this is really going to end. He's playing great. Goff looks for him. So it's great to see him continue to produce. It was great to see Robert Woods bounce back because I, I have been getting a little bit worried about Woods, um, but especially the 15 targets. I mean, he threw the ball a thousand times. So, you know, it, right? do without what you will. But certainly to see the production was good to see. Let's move on here to the Seahawks 27, Cardinals 10, a game that the Seahawks controlled pretty much from the get-go. So Will Disley does, you know, in the perfect matchup, does see eight targets, seven catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. But let's talk briefly about the running game. Again, a great matchup. If there's ever a game where you say, I want to get Chris Carson, you know, right, this is it. Carson runs pretty well, 22 for 104 on the ground, plus four catches, all four of his targets, which is a really nice element of the game for 41 yards. CJ Procise does vulture the touchdown in the end. Now, Rashad Penny missed this game, but does this make you feel better? You know, we've talked a lot about uh, Carson's fumble issues. He lost the fumble in each of the first three games. Does this make you feel better about his job security, or as soon as Penny comes back, are we still going to be, he's one fumble away from losing that job? I believe he's one fumble away, and it's forced me to move him down the rankings. I mean, Penny wasn't active for this game, which obviously, you know, gives us an extra bit of confidence with Carson. So, uh, to see him get 22 carries to CJ Proceis's three, which, by the way, Proceis, you know, one of those carries was in the goal line and did allow for the touchdown that was scored. Uh, so, I mean, Chris Carson is a guy that I have outside my top 12 running backs moving forward. And it's not because like when he's on the field as the starter, he's going to be he's he's an RB one when he's on the field as the starter. But knowing that he is that one fumble away, you kind of have to value him as such and lower him down your rankings into like that RB 16 to 18 range just because there's always that chance. And Arizona, by the way, has been a really good run defense this season. If you were to take away the one long Christian McCaffrey touchdown from last week, like they've been allowing sub four yards per carry on the year. Uh, their front seven hasn't been the problem 
it's been the back end. And that's where it's like, Will Disley is a guy, he's another one I'm buying high on. Like I'm willing, like some people are going to say, oh, this is just because it was Arizona's defense. No, Will Disley before this game had caught 12 of 14 targets for 124 yards and three touchdowns. Will Disley is is like a real part of this offense. And if you guys remember when Jimmy Graham was there, he was a guy that you could rely on for fantasy production. And that's when Doug Baldwin was there. So I think the trading of Nick Vanette signifies that they believe in Will Disley and to know that he got eight targets in a game where, you know, Tyler Lockett had a phenomenal matchup too. He only got four targets. So I think Disley's the real deal. Uh, I think that he's a guy that you can rely on for top 10 production. I, I'm, I'm of the mindset that you can kind of set it and forget it with him going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to be exactly where we are in Hooper on this one. I'm I'm moving towards that way with Disley. I'm not quite ready to buy it yet, um, but he certainly is somebody I think they are committed to him, and he has looked impressive, especially in this matchup. So I'm moving there, but I would not be like, if you have Will Disley, you're basically set at tight end. On the other side of the ball, I mean, just, you know, kind of more of the same. It's just an uneven sort of performance. Yeah, you know, Murray's numbers never look terrible but it's it's the volume carrying him over though like where it's like this is the first game where he hasn't had tons of attempts covering for stuff and so to know they only threw 32 attempts and you see 241 yards it was actually one of the most efficient games for him in terms of like 7.5 yards per attempt he didn't have any touchdowns though fortunately he rushed for a touchdown like salvaging his fantasy day on a designed run to be clear it was a it was a it was a draw so at least there was that by the way which is nice to see because you would like them to incorporate his legs a lot more if he's really going to go to the next the big thing tech i mean their offensive line is not good but he i don't think he's yet figured out that he can't just outrun everybody you know that that these giant guys who are coming after him are it's not college anymore they they can track him down and i think he holds the ball and he tries to run and he he's got to be careful you know like watson he can't hold the ball as long as he does he can't take hits like that Uh, you know from uh, david johnson does see 11 targets eight catches for 99 yards fitzgerald five for five for 47 yards we did christian kirk look like he injured his ankle um at the very end of this game so we'll have to monitor that anything else on the uh on the cardinals no it was just a disappointing game for them all around they were at home uh the seahawks had allowed 20 points to dalton 26 points to uh mason rudolph uh 33 points to teddy bridgewater and the saints so it's like this was a game that i'm not saying he should have went nuts on seattle but he uh he should have had a bigger game yep I think that's all fair. Let's move on. Tags to a game I'm sure you watched pretty closely. Bears 16, <laughs> Vikings 6. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky injures his left shoulder, I believe it was, very early in this game. Um, and Chase Daniel comes in and is more than competent. 22 of 30 for 195 yards. He throws a touchdown. David Montgomery, 21 for 53 on the ground. Can't really get anything going against a good Vikings defense. Look, I would love to see Allen Robinson be in an offense with the QBs who are willing to push it. He, Allen Robinson looks great. Okay. Like forget about the number seven of seven here catches all seven of his targets for 77 yards. Do we know anything about the Trubisky injury yet? We were talking a little bit. It sounds like it might be something that he can play through. Yeah, it was the, they're saying it was a dislocated shoulder, which doesn't sound very good. Uh, but some doctors are saying that uh, Trubisky can play with a harness. Uh, the question is, do the Bears feel the need to put him out there uh, with how much he struggled? I know he looked better against Washington, but he has struggled to start the year. Chase Daniel looked competent, and that's basically what the Bears needed today. They needed competent quarterback play, and he delivered that. So knowing how well this defense has played, I mean, 
the Bears defense, like they haven't missed a beat without Vic Fangio, uh, which is something that even I didn't expect, you know, coming from Chicago. I felt like Fangio's scheme was a lot of it, uh, but they haven't allowed a team more than 15 points. They just need a quarterback to go in there, not turn the ball over, maybe throw a touchdown here or there and not lose the game. And that's basically what Daniel did today. So I wouldn't be shocked if they decided to rest Trubisky for a week and just say, eh, we'll give you a week to rest up while Daniel just kind of holds down the fort. And one of the reasons you don't need a quarterback to go crazy is because the defense is absolutely insane. I mean, they they really, they just bothered Cousins all day long, sacked him six times. He has to attempt 36, you know, pass attempts, which you know is not what they want to do. Now, Dalvin Cook stifled on the ground here, only 35 yards rushing. He does find the end zone. Stephon Diggs, he loses a fumble, but he does catch all seven of his targets for 108 yards. Adam Thielen, six targets, but only two catches for six yards. Any takeaways here from the Viking side, or was this just a matchup against a really, really good defense? So there's a couple things here. Uh, first, if you have cousins and you're going to drop them, don't do it yet. They're playing the Giants next week. Two, you know, the NFL season is so fast. And and I, I've said it before um, that I, I wish as, as someone that analyzes stuff that I, I could have an extra week here and there just to kind of like put everything together and study things that I, I haven't been able to study because I just don't have enough time. But someone like Adam Thielen, I came across something and this is something that I, I really wish I would have noticed earlier. His usage is a lot different this year. And I know that he has benefited from a few, like he had a rushing touchdown, you know, uh, not this week, but last week. And then, you know, he, he caught a touchdown in week one in the game that Cousins threw the ball 10 times. Adam Thielen is only playing in the slot about 30% of the time this year. That's a big problem. Like that's worrisome because Kirk Cousins is, has been struggling getting the ball to the perimeter consistently. And I looked at today's usage and Adam Thielen, again, it's like 30%. It's like, why are you guys not like, why have we changed the offense so much that, that we need to move Adam Thielen to the perimeter? Because it's not, it's not helping Kirk Cousins at all. He has no safety blanket over the middle of the field. Do you think he's going to throw to BC Johnson? Like, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but like these guys, like Chad Beebe is a guy that was hurt. They re-signed Laquan Treadwell and I was like, okay, Treadwell's going to come back. They're going to put him in the perimeter and they're going to slide Thielen back and things should start going the right direction. I don't know if this is going to be a short-term thing for the Vikings passing game if they don't kind of put things back to where they were, like where they had success, because Kirk Cousins looks terrible. But again, if there is a team that can get you back on track, it is the Giants next week. Out of curiosity, where do you have Thielen now rest of the season? Because you had him eight, and we have been arguing about this a little bit, about how high you've had him. Have you moved him down, like, border? Because I had him 13th, I believe, tags in half. I've moved him down to wide receiver 15 uh, after seeing some of these things. Like, I've been, I moved him down because, like, like I said, this is something that was like an oversight on my part that I, I had kind of missed. And it, uh, I still think that he, he could be a buy in fantasy football with the chance that the Vikings realize what's going wrong and what they need to do to change things. I don't, but it's, it's really tough to do that. Like, but the question is, is like, would you rather have someone like Adam Thielen or someone like Brandon Cooks or uh, even a Kenny Galladay? I mean, I, I know a lot of people out there would probably be like, you know, after a two touchdown game for Galladay, they'd be like, oh, I'd rather have Galladay. But if you would have talked to them after last week, they probably would have said Thielen. So it's like this conversation. I think that's in the, in the area he belongs in that like wide receiver two conversation where he's not living up to expectations. But do are, are things going to change? And I'm starting to lose hope. I look, it's funny that you mentioned those two guys. I'll just point out I had coming into this week, I had Thielen 13th in my rest of the season rankings. 
in half PPR, I had Brandon Cooks 14th and I had Kenny Galladay 15th. So to me, that's exactly the range where he is right now. And I'm going to, you know, take a close look at what happened this Sunday and what he's doing and stuff like that. But yeah, and I'm worried if for no other reason than just they don't want to throw. They were forced to throw. The fact that they were forced to throw in this game and they still couldn't get it done is even more worrisome. But either way, there are certainly some concerns there on the Vikings passing game, which is not Exactly a surprise. Let's finish up quickly with our last game. Jaguars 26, Broncos 24. Leonard Fournette again does not find the end zone (laughs) and is a huge and massive disappointment. That's a joke. Mostly all in the second half. Fournette rushes for 225 yards on 29 carries. He also catches two passes for 20 yards. Are all your concerns about Fournette gone here or what? No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. Again, he was given some head starts there. Like the, the Broncos run defense looked terrible. It's like they were bringing pressure to Minshew and it was, I mean, it was working. They were getting to Minshew. He was sacked five times in this game after not having any sacks in the first three games. So it was working the pressure, but it was also allowing Leonard Fournette to take a draw, you know, with like literally yards to run through. And then once he gets a full head of steam, that's when Fournette is really dangerous because he's a difficult man to catch and he's a difficult man to tackle at his size uh, with as much speed as he has. This was, uh, I, I looked at this already, in the post-merger era, Leonard Fournette, his, his uh, 225 yards was the 33rd most uh, in that time frame. It was the third most rushing yards without a touchdown, which is just crazy. Like, so we're talking like since 1970, Leonard Fournette had the third most rushing yards in a game, but that didn't score a touchdown, which is just, this is just how it's going, man. I mean, it kind of signifies his season is what it does. You know, the the problem is, you know, Armstead, who, you know, he did get eight carries in this game also for 42 yards, also ran well. He caught the touchdown pass because he filled in for Fournette after Fournette, like, was taken out of the game. So it could have easily been him. Don't worry about the lack of touchdowns. They get a a pretty decent matchup next week in Carolina. It was a pretty good defense, but, you know, mostly against the pass, not against the run. So for me, this certainly made Makes me feel a little better because I I did think in the way we talk about how Carson was one fumble away from not, uh, you know, from losing his job that Fournette was one bad game away from losing significant carries to Armstead. Um, And I think this at least keeps that at bay on the other side of the ball. You know, Joe Flacco moves the ball well, 303 yards and three touchdowns. You know, nothing really on the ground, at least for Royce Freeman. Uh, Philip Lindsay does gain 53 yards. Um, and Emmanuel Sanders, who I'm not sure, it looked like he was limping a little bit at the end of the game, so I'm not sure if he suffered an injury at the end. Under four yards, but Cortland Sutton does catch two touchdown passes, 62 yards receiving anything from the Broncos side of the ball. I mean, they benefited from Jalen Ramsey being off the field, and if Jacksonville is serious about winning and they really wanted, they, they have to do something to keep Jalen Ramsey there. Because, uh, I mean, it is what it is. Like whether you agree or disagree with what he's doing off the field, he is a, vi- a vital part of that defense. And you're going to see a lot of wide receivers doing damage against them without Ramsey. I don't think people realize uh, what he does to a defense and how he changes the way that you can approach a team. Uh, so to see Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton was the main beneficiary of this because like, like best case scenario, Emmanuel Sanders was going to be shadowed by AJ Boye. Great. And then Sutton has 0% of shutdown corners in his coverage. Worst case scenario was that it was going to be 50-50. Uh, so he received the biggest bump in my rankings due to Jalen Ramsey being out. But, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders goes for 100 yards too. So it just it's it's a butterfly effect with Jalen Ramsey out and what the effect that it has on everybody else in the offense. I don't think anybody could have predicted Joe Flacco throwing three touchdowns 300 yards against them. Uh, but it kind of just it's weird that they won this game while letting Flacco do that. But going back over to the Jag side of the ball, I do want to say that DJ Chark is a guy – I didn't like this week uh, because I felt like Chris Harris Jr. might shadow him Uh, in his final stat line, four catches for 44 yards, no touchdowns. It doesn't look great. And you're like, okay, he's that guy. 
But no, he led the team with eight targets. He uh, also had a touchdown, a rather impressive touchdown that was called back due to a penalty. Uh, so DJ Chark is, he's starting to teeter on every week territory. And Gardner Minshew has looked fantastic, like competent enough to where it's like you can actually rely on someone like DJ Chark. Yeah, Minshew has been impressive. I mean, 213 yards and two touchdowns here. And I agree. Uh, I think Chark's got there, man. I mean, I think that he's like a wide receiver three now where you can just put him in your lineup and that's it. I mean, he he has been impressive. I've been resistant to it. But I agree with you. But I think I'm even a little higher than you. I haven't done my rest of season rankings, but I have a feeling he's going to be pretty solidly within the top 36 when all is said and done. Well, that's going to do it. For today's show, thank you, Tags, for taking care of the majority of it as I just barely was able (laughs) to get here and sit down and start recording. Um, Thanks again to Pristine Auction. They have a ton of great items up for bid every single day. And Monkey Knife Fight, where you can sign up using our promo code FANTASYPROS and get 10 bucks in Monkey Knife Fight credits for free when you play 20 bucks or more. And also thanks to Burroughs, both for helping my lower back feel better. And thanks to their incredible comfortable and customizable sofas just go to b-u-r-r-o-w.com slash fantasy pros for 75 dollars off a new sofa enjoy the rest of your week for football everyone tags and bobby will be back to talk you through the waiver wire i just wanted you to watch me dissolve